Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hi, everyone. I have a special new guest with us today. This is Medusa, and it's our first time ever chatting. Hi, Medusa. How are you? Hello. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started, because I have so many things to tell you and ask you, um, we just would like to have the audience know what your pronouns are. Uh, She, her. Great. Thank you. So, Medusa... First of all, uh, not only did I stalk you on Instagram, but we did a show together. We did Ava Hennessy's show, Taboo, yes. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And you opened the show, and I almost cried I watching you. <laughs> oh, my goodness, really? <laughs> oh, 100%. You're a stunning dancer. I was – Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I even had – what was I doing? I had did a podcast or a live video or something, and I, I was talking about you, and I had said Medusa opened the show, and she danced so fluidly and beautifully on two feet that I was I was pretty jealous, actually, <laughs> but in a very loving oh. way. Like, yeah, because yeah. I um, – you know, I used to glide too, and I you are the queen yeah. of gliding. How did you get oh, thank like you. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that I just have like a real obsession with like art and textures and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, as you know, I've grown up, I've always been just so attracted to art. And I guess whenever I dance, it translates that way for me. It's like my most expressive self, I find, mm-hmm. is whenever I'm moving. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it's almost seems like, you know, from what I've kind of picked up from looking at your posts and things that um, you you're healing through your dance, that you see dance as like a form of of healing your body and your soul. Is that am I picking up on that correctly? Yeah, 100 mm-hmm. percent, because it's very much for me. Um, I was very like suppressed as a kid. Mm. Um, I didn't really get a lot of opportunities to explore myself and like what my views were and what they were with other people. Although I had a very strong sense of things I didn't like. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I got older and I realized that like I can finally do things for myself now, um, whenever I started exploring into dance, it was, I was like, wow, I am the most free and I'm not being told anything that I have to do right now at all. Like it was just like me getting to like, really actually have a real conversation with myself with nobody else's voice in it at all. And at what stage in life do you feel like you had a chance to finally do that, to have a conversation, you know, with yourself? Um, I would say that it didn't really start to get clear with me, like my own sense of self until I started stripping and I moved out of my family's house whenever I was 19. Mm-hmm. Um, that was whenever, cause my family was not very, and is not very like 
supportive. Um, mm. I wrote in the little questionnaire that we did that I was raised Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't really get to like, I didn't really get to have an opinion <laughs> about anything. Right. Um, I was very like intuitive and I always found myself drawn to everything that Mormonism was not. <laughs> yeah. So um, once I finally got out, I was like, oh, yes, it's like finally. And I just started diving into so many things because I didn't get to before, you know? Yeah. So really in like my early 20s. Yeah. You know, it's funny because recently we've done some interviews with also strippers that grew up religious and then one of the first things they did when they got out of their religious yeah. lifestyle <laughs> was they became a professional yeah. whore so yeah yeah <laughs> like I just I'm starting to wonder if there's like if there's something there to that you know like people who grow up religious yeah totally yeah because also i grew up in a roman catholic family my grandparents were very roman catholic oh, yeah yeah and then but i boycotted it at at 10 years old but i was still around the conversation mm -hmm. and i also was very anti that pro sex work at like 13 i was fascinated with sex workers Absolutely. And that's really funny that you say that. I'm very similar in that way too. So my, I was raised by my Mormon grandmother and mm -hmm. my uncle. Um, both of my parents were like on drugs and stuff like that. Although I do have, I know them and I have relationships with them more so my mom than my dad. Um, but my mom was a stripper. <laughs> oh. And so whenever I was a kid, yeah, like my mom was like black sheep in the family um so she uh was a stripper she was like on drugs like she really she had no she could not be tamed like she was just wild as fuck mm -hmm. and um she would sometimes bring me around her stripper friends and I saw the establishment and whenever I was a child I was like this is so fucking cool. Like what's behind those doors? I see all the lights, like look at their shiny outfits and stuff. And I was like, these people look badass, you know? <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it from a young age, I was kind of like, my curiosity has always been so big. Um, and I knew that Mormonism did not feel right to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, even though I had to go, like I was made to go to church, I was forced to get baptized, which I was very uncomfortable with. <laughs> um, I'm a really like introverted, like I like my space. I like the things and the people that I like. And I know naturally what I feel comfortable with, even though I didn't understand my voice back then. Mm -hmm. um, but what I did know is what I was intrigued by and what I wasn't comfortable with. And so whenever I was 12, I stopped going to church and my grandmother was not fucking okay no. with that. Like I got criticized so much for like, basically until I moved out about my choices and just like my interests or whatever, because none of my interests were aligning with what she wanted them to. Right. So it was, it was special. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that you say at 12, you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going. And cause I, I also did that mm -hmm. at 10 years old and I tell that story to people and they're like, wait, what? Like, how did you get away with that? Because my parents, like, there's no way my parents would accept that. Did you like, 
because my response, here's what I said. You will take me kicking and screaming if you take me like, because I was small, I was 10 yeah. and I, and I, in my mind, I was prepared to fight if they were going to physically try to force me to go. Did you, Yeah. like, what was that like at 12 years old? Cause you're still sort of, you're smaller still, you know? Yeah. Um, so my family and I, like we communicated through arguing. So, um, <laughs> we argued a lot about like everything. So it would be like every Sunday, mm-hmm. it would be like, come on, like you need to go to church. You need to get up. You need to get up throwing ice water on me and stuff, you know? And I'm like, I'm not going, like, it's just not happening. Like right. ground me, like do whatever you want to do. Like, right. And she would, she would. And I just still was like, absolutely not. Like, I cannot do this. Like it feels fucking culty, man. Like yeah. I just can't do it. Like it's not, it just yeah. isn't like, it felt wrong. Like I would walk in and I felt like even as a kid, it's like they were trying to mold me. They weren't encouraging me to explore anything. It was like, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. You have to say this. You have to dress like that. And I was like, but I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't know these people. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. I don't feel connected here. I don't have experiences with you. Like, why would I want to be forced under this roof? Whenever it's like you, you have given me no like sense of, like, I didn't feel community there. Like, I feel like we all as humans, like naturally can feel what a sense of community and comfort feels like. Mm -hmm. I never felt that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was like something within my bones was like, this is not it. Right. Like I'm not shunning them for, you know, practicing this or being in that, but it's not for me. And then whenever I made the decision not to go anymore and I never went back they would like come over to the house, like the missionaries, or they would Mm. call or they would stop by and stuff. And I mean, even whenever I moved out one time, my grandmother had them send me a letter to my new apartment. And I was like, don't do that. That's not okay. Right. Like I'm not there. I'm not, you can't put me under this blanket anymore. Yeah. I just love, it's just not. Yeah. I get it. Cause I, I was there too. And like, you know, I, I just love how, that there are a handful of children that are just so adamant. Like I know, actually, now that I think about it, I mm-hmm. believe that most children are like that and most parents just don't listen, you know? Um, yeah, they don't let them have their voice. And right. that's so strange to me. I don't like that at all. Right. And I feel like wrapping back around to the um, religious upbringing turned sex worker thing, it's kind of like, well, when you're suppressed to that level and you don't allow your child to have any sort of authentic experience and make mistakes and to show them the many facets of life rather than trying to hide it from them, what do you think they're going to fucking do whenever they get the opportunity to go out and try it themselves? They're like, oh, finally, a breath of fresh air. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Either they get completely brainwashed or they're like, hey, yo, fuck that. Like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have my own experience. I'm going to go crazy. Like, I feel like literally like the, um, you know, I've I've seen that we see that in uh, colleges where people go away to college and they go to like the sororities and stuff. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, I've been on the campus of Isla Vista up in Santa Barbara like that place was a shit show it was just people doing whatever the fuck 
And um, I mean, it was fun. Right. It was a fun shit show. It was the first time I smoked yeah. a bong. That was fun. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. You know, I was 18. Yeah. I was 19 smoking out of a three foot bong in a house filled with a ton of young men that I didn't know yeah. getting fucking mm-hmm. wasted. Not, not good choices in that moment. But it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. We lost our car that night. We walked around for hours. We were so stoned. Um, and they, was, that shit shapes us. It right. really does. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was going to ask you, why did you choose stripping? But I feel like you kind of answered that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so I meet so many strippers where it's like a calling almost. You know, I love that you were fascinated yeah. by the sparkly things because that's what got me too. I was like, ooh, rhinestone yeah. chokers. Yes, literally. I was like, ooh, fucking gowns, the midnight blue with the little sparkles, like put it on me. <laughs> yes. I loved that. Yeah. Can I tell you my 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 letter to Santa Claus when I was five years old? Yes, please. <laughs> For a red leather skirt a red oh. <laughs> a red sweater um rhinestone like red shoes with rhinestones a rhinestone bracelet a red jacket um diamond earrings like it was all red and diamonds that's beautiful was that's what amazing. i wanted that's lavish that's fucking lavish <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, Your soul I, was speaking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have a copy of it, actually. I should post that on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's iconic. <laughs> yeah. So you also – so you're a stripper. You identify as a stripper, but you also – it looks to me like you also do a lot of pole dancing. And you do you visit yes. a pole dance studio, right? Yeah. So actually, to add on a little bit to the beginning stripper story. Yeah. Um, so I went to my first strip club with a friend right out of high school and she was stripping and she was like, oh, my gosh, you should come. This is amazing. And I was like, I'm scared shitless, but this is cool. I remember the first girl I saw on stage. Her name was fucking Raven and she was killing it. I was like, yes. And I was like, this is so cool. But like, I did not have it in me to do that because I am kind of bashful. Um, and so I was like, is this a thing though? Like, I want to do this. Like that looks so just mm, like it had all of those elements that I think I was craving. Mm-hmm. And so I found a local studio and it was like over from there. Like I never stopped. And then I started stripping about, I started stripping and teaching at the same time, actually. So after nine months of being a student, I was like obsessed and I had naturally kind of floated on over into the more sensual side of um, pulling. Um, And I was familiar with the strip club because I had gone and my friend was stripping. And then I started stripping. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's just, I'm so glad that I did. Um, I feel like I would have probably ended up doing it anyway, even if I hadn't gone to a studio. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I do teach in studio. There is a local studio here that's opened and I had taught at another studio, um, which I don't, and I don't associate with it anymore. It does not align with my values Mm -hmm. in any sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, The current studio I'm teaching at was opened by a sex worker as well. So they're very inclusive. Great so inclusive like i mean even when you walk in like directly on the wall we have like a big ass sign and it's like we are 
pro LGBTQIA plus, like we are pro black, like we're this, we're that. And we just have such a diverse instructor team. And we really put a lot into making sure that people that are coming in from every walk of life, basically like feels included and that they can explore themselves and they're encouraged to be themselves in our space. So um, it's been really nice, especially after the old studio that I was at, that was not very inclusive. Mm. It's like, they love to like profit off of my stripperness, but they wanted to throw it under a rug when it wasn't convenient. And so I didn't really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a lot of studios have weird vibes like that. So I'm kind of like, about the studios that I get involved with yeah it's always been that way since the beginning yeah you know um Mm -hmm. they there's always been a a level of uh distancing from strippers I remember when I first found out because I've been stripping since 2002 and when I first Mm -hmm. found out that like house moms were were taking pole lessons I remember being really irritated about that because I thought, to right. myself, you know, because it just felt like, you know what, this is ours. And like when I would go out in social settings back in 2002 and three, specifically like the early 2000s, and I would say mm-hmm. to a group of people that I was a stripper, immediately I got treated differently by everyone. But the men treated me as like a fun novelty thing mm-hmm. and not like a real person. And then the the women would sort of try to not, they, they would avoid me more. But then at the same time, people were taking lessons at home. So it felt like I, I picked up early on. I was yeah. like, oh, this this isn't cool. And then, I don't know, something shifted and mm-hmm. I got okay with it. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, the weird evolution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it started Fucking off, weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it started off excluding us from the beginning. And then it just kind of went on this up and down roller coaster of, like you said, like they wanted to use – and there were times where stripping was used – to sort of use this like salacious headlines you know in in the media and then when they and then when it was inconvenient for them they would sweep us under the rug so there's got to be a word for that yeah it's so hard yeah to to put it because it's so many behaviors it's not even just one collective thing it stems from a lot of different places i think yeah um it's like some people are okay with it, but only certain parts. Some people are okay with all of it. Some people are only okay with it if it's in this setting at this time. Right. So it's like there's it's like there's so many angles to it. And it's like everybody's reasoning for being fucky about it is a little bit different, but yet still fucky. Right. Yeah. That's just hang-ups about sex in general and what women choose to do with mm-hmm. their bodies in general. I don't get when we're going to get over yeah. the fact that like, hi, it's my body. I get to do what I want. Okay, it's mine mine right like why is that so hard I don't don't understand why that's so hard because like you would have so much less to fucking worry about if you were actually worried about your body and your space rather than mine or yours or whoever else's exactly it's so strange to me yeah that's like a pet peeve is people getting like too invested in the way that somebody else chooses to use their body or just the way that they are. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And I I ask myself, like, why, though, do people get mad? And what it always boils down to is I'm pretty sure it's religion. I'm pretty sure 
that conditioning. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's yeah, so for much sure. work to do. There's so much work to do. So much. It's like an unraveling. It's like unthreading every tiny little micro thread that's in there. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever sewed or yeah. done like what do they call it when you have the thing and the holes and the weaving? And it's not weaving. It's like a thing inside of a circle, and you're like stitching and stitching the thread through. And you're and oh, I know what you're talking, talking about. Yeah, and then you fuck yeah. it up, and you're like, oh fuck, I gotta go back and I gotta undo these threads because yes. I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what we're doing right now. Like, oh fuck, I fucked Literally, up. Literally, it is. <laughs> but the cool part is, is that even though it's like tedious as fuck, like we can still do it. Oh yeah. Oh no no no, for sure. And and which is awesome. Exactly. And I do. I'm dedicated to it. It's exhausting though. I definitely. Yeah. Break dead down. ass. It is. <clears throat> yeah. I feel like that part, people don't want to do that, that unthreading work. It's like they have the awareness that they could, but they're like, how about no? Because I'm comfortable here already. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to take up your time by telling you all the stories of the people I've been talking to lately. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I'm sure. So I wrote this comment on your notes. I'm dead. Your Polcom performance, though. So I watched (laughs) your Polcom performance on Instagram. And my comment to that was, I'm dead. But they're my own personal notes. Um, You, you know, I'm similar to you in that I, I display the super sensual, sexy side of um, pole dancing at the big events like PoleCon, and so it's it's mm-hmm. really great to see other people doing it. But what was your reception like there? Did people just like were they just running up to you? Like how did they perceive? Mm-hmm. Like how, how did how, they take me? How did they receive you? Yeah, what was that experience like for you? Um, it was received really well. Sure. Um, I would say that. I was met with a lot of like, wow, like that was really amazing. Like, or like, bitch, you fucking killed it or like whatever. Um, And I was just kind of like, I guess because I don't know. I think that whenever you strip and like you get used to uh, performing in that way and then you take yourself and you put yourself into a setting like that, it doesn't feel as large to you. And so I was almost overwhelmed by people being so receptive to it because I'm very used to like going really hard at work and then not really, it's just like what you do Mm -hmm. at work, you know? Um, and so I was like, wow, this is a lot. (laughs) Um, thank you guys so much. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, people were definitely very like, um, they enjoyed it. And I was very happy about that. And they were like, you're so sensual or like, you're so sexy or whatever. And I was like, thank you. Thank you a lot. Like, I'm glad that people can receive that from me because it is something that I really work to like hone in um, and get comfortable with, with myself. Mm -hmm. So it made me happy that people did see it Mm -hmm. and could feel it. Yeah. And you know, the pole dance, community watches sexy dancing but the way strippers do it is just different 
even if like, that's what I always say too. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like I'm like, there's something about a stripper that just really hits different and you can, it's like, you can almost always tell mm-hmm. there's something about like inherently becoming that to, in order to survive mm-hmm. and just tapping into it because it's something you enjoy. Like right. your experiences are going to be very different. And so when we tap into it, it's, it's, part of our flesh now it's not just something that it's like we're getting into a space yeah I mean for me I wanted to be a stripper not because of the pole so I I went I was stripper first and then the pole just happened to be there but for me it was all about the exhibitionism and like just thriving on having eyes on me you know and just um being Mm -hmm. as nasty as I could um still yeah. don't really understand the psychology behind that you know like oh, there's why. so much <laughs> yeah so like but anyway so I think that that has a lot to do with it too because we're not just pole dancing when we're at work I think that there's a this misconception mm-hmm. especially in the pole industry that all strippers are like amazing pole dancers but it's just you no know, we're actually amazing exhibitionists that's how I feel yeah speaking for myself yeah definitely yeah Totally. An artist. (laughs) Yes, of course. Well, because you have to figure out how to keep everyone's attention in the room so that you can figure out how to extract all of their money out of their bank account. Yes. And like you're in like when you're in the club too, like you're surrounded by just. Wow. Like the human beings that we work with are some of the most like multifaceted, Mm -hmm. open, um, just, there's just so much in them, you know? And so it's like, we all have like our own thing that we come into and it's really unique for each individual. I really appreciate that about, um, the strip club environment. Uh, Yeah, me too. I miss it terribly. Do you Mm -hmm. miss it? Me too. Yeah. I miss parts. Yeah, for sure. Sure. What you- there's definitely parts that I don't miss, but there's a lot of parts that I do. Yeah. What, uh, what do you miss the most? Um, I would say that being able to bond with like-minded people. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the strip club was one of the first places that I was really like, man, we're all just fucking out here being ourselves here. Like really. And it felt really comforting. Like it wasn't like, oh, well, like you're in a pole dance class and you have to act like this. Or like you're in the fucking Mormon church and you have to follow this guidebook. You know, it was like everybody was just like they're who they are. And sometimes it's aggressively, you know, and you just see it and you're like, damn, like this is raw. I guess that's the best word I can use for it. I really appreciated that genuine experience with those people. Right. Yeah. Thank you. And the bonding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the dressing room for me, it's like being in the dressing room was just so the same bonding and laughing Mm -hmm. and passing around joints and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So speaking of conventions, um, you go to reptile conventions. Yes. Yes, I do. I love me some reptiles. Yeah. (laughs) Um, is that why your name is Medusa? Because she has yes. snakes on her heads? <laughs> Absolutely. 
And just Medusa's whole powerful vibe. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. And the snakes. <laughs> yes, yes. So I have, okay, so I have a short story to tell you, and then I'm hoping that you can help us know more about Medusa. So I have yes. um, a tattoo on my right shoulder. Um, Sweet. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Queen Elizabeth I, who I've been obsessed with since I was about, like, 15. I yeah. just recently learned some things about her that I don't like that she did. And so I might be, because they leave things out. I had to Google. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had to Google specifically was Queen Elizabeth the first a racist. Turns out she was. And that she sponsored. (laughs) I know. Right. I was so pissed. Damn it. (laughs) Sponsored a Voyager, a dude that um, went and, and, picked up slaves and on a ship and she sponsored that voyage and when and that's not i've read so many books and seen so many movies and they just do not mention that um and so i'm like oh i need a cover-up and somebody suggested that i get medusa on my Mm -hmm. cover-up um yeah so then i i looked it up but i was in a frenzy and i was not pleased Mm -hmm. with the description of medusa that i got so can you tell us what makes like can you just give us a little bit of background on Medusa and why she's so rad? Well, honestly, to be really really frank, I haven't done like a hell of a lot of research other than whenever I was like younger and I was like, oh yeah, Greek mythology is the shit. Like mm-hmm. this is so interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, but I always liked that she would turn men into stone. Like that was something that yeah, I really hot. found like it's hot as fuck and like hell yeah. (laughs) And so I was like that power to just like stop people in their tracks. And then like the snakes, like I've always liked, I've always been attracted to like reptiles and they're just very, it wasn't the cute fuzzy, you know? And so, which I love the cute fuzzy too. Love the cute fuzzy, but I just always loved reptiles and stuff too. So I think that the vibe of like a powerful woman who could turn people into stone that was just so clear on who she was mm. paired with the snakes was mm-hmm. what really did it for me. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, but now after having this conversation, I'm going to have to go do some more research. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to know more about her and like what, like what she did. I'm sure there's a story behind her yeah like specifically Mm -hmm. and like how did she get snakes on her head we have to find this yes did they just grow and they just sprouted out of her head was she born that way we must know yeah and all the old greek stories are kind of crazy like aphrodite was like born out of like what zeus's bloody ball sack or something you know what i'm saying like the shit's random yes yes it's really random so i mean like it could have literally been something as simple as like a girl picked up a snake it bit her boom snakes on her head Mm -hmm. like you know what i'm saying snakes on her head yes i love yeah so now i'm gonna have to read too because my brain is like "Hmm." well i'm gonna have to read too (laughs) because i am interested in in getting this um tattoo because I I want it to be a strong female on my arm which is why I chose Queen Elizabeth I and I chose her because of the accomplishments that she had as a young person and that she never got married and she was like fuck all you I'm not doing what you're trying to tell me to do and that's what really drew me to her Mm-hmm. And then I, I yeah. refuse to use the excuse anymore. Well, it was a different time. And right, you know. Yeah, it's not. No. Yeah. 
I'm not. I'm not into wear. I'm not excusing the the that shit anymore either. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> yeah. So, and the only reason why this tattoo isn't finished, it would have been finished in April, is because of COVID. So I don't even know when I'm mm-hmm. going to be able to get. LA is doing really bad. We're doing horribly. I've heard. Yeah. Where are you? I'm so if sorry. You don't mind, is it okay to? Ask? I'm in North Carolina. Ah. Uh, yeah, I'm in North Carolina. Okay. And things yeah, kind of okay I'm on the opposite. There? Yeah. Things are okay. Um, I would say that it's shitty, but it's definitely not like as bad as LA. People are just so, uh, North Carolina, being in the South, especially during all of this shit has been really yeah. special. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's, uh, cause there's just so like, there are still like giant Trump flags all over the place whenever I step outside of my house. And so it's like, I don't want to leave my fucking house. Yeah. Like even to go get my groceries because like I drive by like 10 of those fucking signs. We're just like, wow. Yeah. It's blatant here. Like it's very like, "Mm." and people here are just, for some reason, they really just don't feel like they have to abide at all in any way. And everybody out here has so much freedom to their land and their space. Whenever they're put into a public space, they're like, well, I don't fucking do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Like, they just don't want to abide because, like, they're so used to their space and their freedom. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I live so in the city. Yeah. I'm in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. There is a ton of people here. And the cases are. Oh, like, yeah. Phew. Oh, yeah. I saw a statistic that said, like, one in three for L.A. County recently. I was like, yeah, it's probably, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like that. I mean, I don't see anybody. <sighs> I see everyone on the computer, yeah. you know, I thank God I have mm-hmm. a, a pod of neighbors. Oh my God. They're lovely. And, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying our best. It's been, um, almost what, 10 months now. And, you know, I, I have not gotten it. So be yeah. really careful. Yeah. But crazy crazy times they're very much so that we're experiencing yeah um before i let you go and before we go into other topics i i just you know i really took note that you played classical piano as a child as a young person are you still playing so i play sometimes i don't have a piano at my current living space Mm -hmm. but my grandmother does so every now and again whenever i'm over there visiting i'll just pull out my old books and i'll start playing again to refresh myself because i don't want to lose that yeah um and so whenever i move again i was actually making it a point to get myself another keyboard because um pole dancing and all that has is it's my passion but it is also work sometimes so Mm kind of taking a separate uh, route to go back into my roots and just explore that again I think is gonna yeah. be really fun I'm excited to get back into playing more <laughs> yeah I used to play the piano too but I was terrible at reading the music are you are you really good at reading yeah it's <laughs> I'm pretty good at reading the music yeah um definitely need some refreshing now yeah. <laughs> but um I enjoyed reading the music and I did do other uh, musical instruments as well. Like I played clarinet for like three years. I took vocal lessons. So I was like in choir. I did honors course and stuff whenever I was in school. Um, And so I got to read music a lot, even outside of playing the piano too. So I felt my comfort in that. And then I would memorize it. Yeah. 
And after getting used to doing scales and just hearing all the time, I can sometimes play little things by ear and stuff too. Yeah. Which is really fun. So, yeah. But I really enjoy classical and like the old music. The times are different and the music sounds so much different than what you hear now too. So it's like different flavor for your ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you hear the, what that was going around that Beethoven is, was supposedly black. Did you hear that when that was going around? No, I did not hear that. Yeah, I know he, about Beethoven, but I didn't know that he, if he was like racially what he was. <laughs> I don't know either. It was it, all of a sudden Beethoven was trending one day with young people. Yeah. And um, there were stories going around that he was actually black and that they, you know, history made him white. So um, yeah. I would not be surprised. Right, of course not. I, That sounds like some shit that would happen for sure. Oh, Beethoven yeah. was badass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't, that was the one that he was, he was deaf, right? Yeah, and he had his piano on the floor, and so he played, oh like, gosh. with the vibration, which is just like, how? I like, know, like, how? Chills. What a yeah, genius. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. So amazing. Yeah, well, I um I also miss playing music. I, I used to play flute in in high school band, um, but I was oh that's awesome. Yeah, but I was embarrassed. Isn't that silly? I would like why embarrassed? I have no I because it was like a nerd thing to do. If you were in that's true. If you were in school band, <laughs> you were a nerd, and so I yeah I love that word by the way, and so I such a cute word. It's so funny, isn't it? Um, <laughs> But so in my school where the band room was, was there was only one place you were going to if you walked down this particular hall because it was like a dead end. And so I would say, yeah, and I would always go to class Mm -hmm. late because I didn't want anyone to see me walking down the hall to band Mm -hmm. class and know that I was in band. Cut to, yeah. we had to go on stage in front of the entire school. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I hid it for so many years when every year I was up on stage in front of them as well, but I was just embarrassed by it. And I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. that was really silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now that you say that, I kind of remember feeling that way, particularly about carrying my instrument with me. Mm. I was like this big old clanky thing. And I didn't really want to play the clarinet. I wanted to play the flute actually, but they ran out of flute position. So I ended up going with my secondary, which was the clarinet. And as soon as that was done, I never picked it back up again. Yeah. But I did keep playing. I was playing piano through the whole time. So it was more so just like extra knowledge in my head at that point. I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah. I'll play the damn thing. Yeah. But I wasn't proud of the clarinet, I guess. So I was already like, oh, fuck, now I'm going to carry it around. And everyone's going to scare me with this thing. <laughs> Same. I would like smash it in my backpack and it would like push up a little bit yeah. in the center because it was slightly too. <laughs> yeah. Like how insecure yeah. and silly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I would, I, I want to buy a flute and start playing again. So I look forward to you getting your piano. Yes. Yeah. Musical journey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. So my stripper tip is to, especially if you're first starting, but to carry on throughout your stripper journey is to have boundaries, like actually start to create boundaries from the jump and always check in with your boundaries because I didn't understand what stripper burnout was until I started stripping full time. Um, I didn't know what types of people and stuff that I was going to meet. And so 
as time goes on, I really found that my boundaries with stripping changed. And because I was trying to honor old thoughts, I pushed myself way harder than what I probably should have for what I was comfortable with. Um, like I found myself getting really tired and then not doing well at work because I wasn't putting in the things that I needed. So I just wish that I would have um, known from the get go, kind of like use your, know what your boundaries are and what you're comfortable with as far as like, even if it's how many days a week you're willing to work or, you know, what type of interaction you're willing to have or, you know, just all of those things, because it does make a difference by the end of the night, it accumulates. <clears throat> yeah. And so I found it really important to just like have those boundaries because mm -hmm. I've watched people come in because I'm very observant. Um, and like they start one way and then they end up being really unhappy because they never checked in with themselves. Right. Um, so if I could give anybody a tip, it would be definitely to put boundaries in place and allow them to change. Like, don't be disappointed if they change from what they used to be. Right. And just, yeah. Because yeah. we're always evolving. Work with your... Yes. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And so it's not going to be the same as it was a year or two mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. Excellent advice. It's a fast environment too, you know, and one second you're doing something and then the next something happens so quick, you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you for that tip. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. First question. What kind of secret society would you like to start? Ooh. Hmm. My brain instantly is like something for the weirdos. And by the weirdos, I guess I mean for all of the people that felt like they weren't conventionally allowed to just directly go into something. Yes. Like I want a space for all of the people, no matter what walk of life you're from, to come in and be allowed to exist the way that you are. Yes. And then see what kind of world forms off of those people rather than being forced to stay in this space. Yes. Oh my God. Can we do that? Please? <laughs> if animals Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Ooh. Honestly, this is gonna be kind of generic, but like I feel like cats. Mm. And the reason why I say that is because they are around so many people and their bullshit. And I feel like cats would literally be like, you fuckers think that you're so this or that, but I see your shit every day. I fucking stay in this house all the time and I watch you. <laughs> like they would just call everybody out. Nobody would be safe if the cats had a voice. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> That's so true. Okay. Next. Which body part do you wish you could detach and why? Um... My hair, <laughs> if we can consider that a body part. Sure. Simply because, not because I don't like my hair, but simply because I really enjoy um, differentiation, like just being able to see different things. Yeah. Um, and I feel like people get really used to seeing people a certain way, but if like things are ever changing on something that you see on someone so directly all the time, like, I don't know, I feel like shit would just be a little spicier. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I've got so many wigs. I love different hair. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, last one. In 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for? That's a long time. Hmm. Yeah, it is. I'm like, damn, I'm trying to think back. Like, what the fuck was 40 years? Hmm. I want to say the... I'm feeling something about like social media trends mm. that are happening. Okay. Um, I feel like maybe even something around like the challenges and stuff with, especially, okay. So let me, let me elaborate a little. We have COVID right now. Everybody's inside. Yeah. yeah. And so I found that a lot of people are finding comfort and like tapping into their, you know, more social selves online right now with these like challenges and stuff that are coming out that people are yeah. doing. Um, like the most recent, like the bus it challenge where everybody's like looking like their regular, like quarantine self hanging out in the house. And then all of a sudden they drop down and it's like, bus it. And they like dress up and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> and everybody looks banging, you know? And so I feel like those little things like that, like these little fun trends, I don't know where social media is going to be in 40 years, you yes. know, but I feel like people are going to remember this period of time where we're like locked down and yeah. we're all like entertaining ourselves together in a very, like a much more like community type way yeah. online in order to like bond and entertain at this time. Totally. That's a good one. You're right. Those things are really helpful. I don't, I've not participated in any of those types of challenges. Me either. <laughs> but I love watching them. I love Me too. I just them. like to observe it. Yeah, exactly. So thank totally. you. Thank you for your thoughtful answers. I loved it. Yes. Um, so what do you have anything coming up that you'd like people to know about or where should people follow you? And you mentioned your backup account as well. I just started following that today. Yes. <laughs> um. I do have something coming up. I'm working on my new website and a Patreon. And I'm really excited for it because um, it'll give more access for me to have like friends online and community for people that want to dance with me and like talk about the things I want to talk about because I do plan um, on in the future. Like I probably won't start off with a vlog. But I really want to be able to have the conversations I want to have that Instagram just loves to fucking like silence me for. <laughs> so I really am I'm excited about having a space where like, I can dance how I want to and talk how I want to with people that want to hear it. So I'm super excited for the upcoming website and Patreon. Nice. Um, social media links. My business page. Yes, my Kundalini Poland Dance Arts page. Um, so that's my like my virtual whole studio, my little safe haven, I call it. Um, that is my branch for all of like my teaching and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what my Patreon and stuff will be under too. Okay. Whenever I do that. Awesome. Yeah. So your handle can, and do you want people to follow your main handle? Oh yeah. They can follow the Medusa mommy handle or Kundalini Poland dance art. Yes, and if you're following, if you choose to follow the Medusa Mommy handle, you have to spell it out exactly correctly in order to find. Oh, her all account. the because mm -hmm. she's your shadow. That shadow banning is mm -hmm. real. Oh yeah, <laughs> shadow ban right now. So am I. And Mammy, your mm -hmm. mommy, you're spelling it M A M I I. Correct. Three eyes. Three eyes. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Yep. 
Yes, type it all the way out, spell it correctly, or you will have a hard time finding it. I had to type it like twice. I was like, wait, what's happening? So yeah, yeah, they, shadow hate, banning, they hate us on there. <laughs> I know, shadow ban is really, yeah, yeah. it's such a mess, yeah. Well, thank you so mm -hmm. much for joining us today. It was so lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was really so nice. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to all of our <laughs> listeners out there. Make sure you tune in every Wednesday when a new episode drops in the morning everywhere you find podcasts. <laughs> See you next time. Hey, guys. I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at yes, a stripper podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at yes, a stripper pod. Yes, a stripper podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to yes, a stripper podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.